You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 163, Carl Forehand and the Experience of Deconstruction. Well, hey, friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Eric Nevins, and I'm so glad that you are here. Today, our guest is, I can't wait to talk to him. This is going to be, um, he's got a really interesting story about um, finding himself in Christ, and I can't wait to share that with you. He's an author, he is a former pastor, and he's a fellow podcaster. So, you know, I love the our fellow podcasters. He is Carl Forehand. Carl, um, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to have made the acquaintance. We were introduced on Facebook and we were able to get together and um, just share a little bit. So I would love to hear about your story. So we'll do it like this. Go ahead and just tell us kind of where you are now and then we'll go back after that. So what, what are you doing now? Okay, right right now I've been I would I would call it that I've been through a deconstruction um, for the past couple of years and I, I find myself um, I was also a pastor for about 20 years and so right now I took a I took a couple of months off wrote a book and then um, find myself in just a, a normal stress-free, um, low paying job <laughs> now, but spirit spiritually, I, you know, I, it, it really hard to describe it. You know, I, my pastor at the current time is Brian Zond. Yeah. We're life church in St. Joseph. Um, we attend a smaller church that's 50 feet away from us instead of 50 miles, but he's still kind of my, my pastor. Very cool. So that, that gives you any clue as to where kind of where we're at. Yeah, that is that is helpful. Um, so that's interesting. And kind of the story of how you leave the pastorate is is interesting. I was just reading the introduction to your book, and mm-hmm. so we'll we'll get there, no doubt, because I think it yeah. is Ill- illustrative um, mm-hmm. of of what kind of happens. Yeah. Um, that's cool though. You, you go to Brian Zahn's church sometimes. That's, that's pretty amazing. I think we talked about that. I, he's on my short list of people to get on the show. So stay tuned. Maybe someday, yeah. uh, Brian yeah. will get on the show. I know he does interviews, but, um, okay. So let's talk about you. Where did you grow up? Cause so you're in Missouri now, but are you from Missouri or where, where are you from? No, I grew up in Oklahoma. Okay. And um, went to a tech school and trained in computer science, and then uh, left for Dallas Fort Worth. Um, from there, so just a real small town in southwest Oklahoma. Gotcha. Then, what, what was it like spiritually growing up? Uh, it's you know, it's kind of typical. Went to a Southern Baptist church, you know, that had thirty or forty people, and um real flat Bible, real Bible centered. Yeah. And, um, and we've got a guilt trip from the youth person, you know, downstairs all the time. I, I remember that, but yeah, for the most part it was pleasant. It was forming, you know, 
and still relatively grateful for that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So would you say, like, did you end up giving your life to Christ at some point or was it just kind of you went to church because that's what you did? Yeah, I talk about that in the book a little bit about um, at age seven, I was in a, um, this when we were in the Oklahoma City area, so it was a bigger church. But um, I remember distinctly just feeling all kinds of guilt mm. because the pastor convinced me that, that God had turned his back on me and that I was some kind of uh, horrible sinner at seven. And I talk about in the book, I was really trying to rack my brain to figure out what kind of horrible things I was doing at seven. Yeah. Um, but that was, yeah, at age seven, I walked the aisle, pl- prayed the sinner's prayer, uh, was baptized and all that stuff. Um, at age seven, and then probably later in high school, like a lot of people, um, kind of wandered away. And then when, when I was a young adult, thinking about a family and so on, when I wandered back, um, just kind of went to the, the place that was the most familiar, that I could e- most easily fit in. And so that happened to be the same kind of church. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So it was, it sounds, I mean, that's a pretty typical story, I guess. Right. So it was kind of, mm-hmm. you know, high school wandered away. What brought you, what brought you back? It was just having kids or like, what was the. Yeah, I think, I think having kids and kind of, kind of exploring, um, not being in church, exploring different things and, and just kind of wanting to come back to some familiarity to, you know, and, and rejection has been a big thing in my life. Mm. So I wanted to fit in again, you know, to have a community where, where I could fit in. And like I said, the, the Baptist thing was the, the most familiar and, and the biggest chance of me, me fitting in. I, I remember later on in, in college having a, you know, later on when I was, investigating the ministry, um, having a project to visit a Catholic church. And I went there, uh, when I visited, they said, um, now greet each other as, uh, we often do, or as we always do or something like that. And so they said, peace be with you. Yeah. And I said in a thick Southern drawl, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) And they, they just all kind of looked at me like you're an outsider. But I, I didn't want that, you know, in any area of my life. I wanted to fit in. And so, you know, that was, that was my experience. And that's where a little bit later on, I um, real quickly started investigating the ministry and, and training for that. Yeah, interesting. Where did that desire to fit in come from? Yeah, I think, I think uh, a lot of it's from my childhood. Just I have I have thick glasses. I was short and little, and um, luckily a small school. You know, a lot of a lot of times I could maneuver that. But I think you know I remember twice having my best friend still my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> same guy. Do what? Same guy. No, oh. it wasn't the same best friend. But that's good. Somehow I maintained the best friends. I. You know, I just, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, 
Um, you know, and, and I, I think even to this day, I, I don't know if it's if it's a flaw of mine or if it's just a um, thing of running into people. I think people underestimate me. You know, I, I don't know how many people I've heard over the years when they finally heard me preach would say, man, you can really preach. And I say, well, why would you not think I could? <laughs> you know, I'm a pastor at a church and so on. But, but I think people tend to underestimate me. And, and part of that, you know, part of that is me. It might be my confidence or, that I've had over the years and so on. And so it, 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 may, it may or may not have been real rejection, but it always felt like it. And so um, part of my story recently um, you know, being 54 now and um, recently turning 50 and, and, and looking at the second half of my life is really a big desire to want to be authentic instead of just fit in. And so that's, that's a big part of my, my story and my re, uh, deconstruction and so on. Yeah, interesting. Okay. What are you on the Enneagram? Yeah, we always try to figure that out. <laughs> And Laura, my wife, has done extensive stuff with that. Oh, yeah. We, we talked about that the other day. Yeah. She, I, I am not sure. I'm, I'm kind of that guy that the evangelist and the, um, the person that, you know, if I, if I learn something, I want everybody else to know it. And yeah. I don't know what that is. Is that three or four or something four, like that? Yeah. Well, I was going to guess four, but I didn't want to okay. force that on you, but only because I identify with it because that's what I am. <laughs> so yeah. I I get that uh, desire to... If you want to go with something, probably a four. Yeah, interesting. Okay, well, that's what I was wondering if you were, were thinking that. But yeah. anyway, okay. So, because that's pretty interesting for, for fours tend to be very, like they want to be unique, but they want to be part of the club, you know? Right, yeah. Uh, and that's that was my experience for sure. So, yeah. all right. So you're, so you're kind of, I mean, we, we didn't get to go into a lot of detail, but go, going into your story. So it sounds like your faith growing up, even giving your life to Christ was sort of guilt-based kind of performance-based, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. And maybe I got a lot of that from my mother. Um, she always said, uh, my kids are going to do great things, you know, and so that that leaves you with a little bit of an uncertainty about you know what what does great mean, and that along with you know kind of my maybe my personality type and so on, and I really wanted to succeed. Right, it makes you it kind of puts an expectation, sure to it. I get that. Yeah. Okay. So, so you said that eventually you started exploring the ministry. Now, when you were starting to do that. Did you have like mentors? Was there somebody who was, or, you know, certain passages or something that you felt like God was calling you to this or what was that like? Yeah, I, I really, really felt like I was being called to it. <clears throat> the, the mentors I kind of looked to, there was a guy, I don't want to say his name, but he was the church planter of the year um, that year when I was kind of training. And, and it kind of fits back in with that rejection and that fitting in. And so on, but that's exactly what he said. Is he said you need to go um, and be like those people, you know? If they're Nebraska Husker fans, then you should be a Husker fan, and and you should fit in. And that played into my insecurities and my um, 
my story, you know, of needing to fit in. Um, so that was what I was always working towards anyhow. And um, so I went back to, to, you know, went to school kind of at night um, while I was working. I was a computer programmer. And <clears throat> then uh, eventually it found a little church that um, latched on to me. Um, but also, you know, where I could go and experiment with that, what that church planner taught me was just to, to meld into that community. And a lot of the guys liked to golf, so I got on the golf league. Um, you know, at the second church, it was hunting, you know, and yeah. just whatever I had to do to fit in. And, and when I did, they responded. I, I think that was what I was known for. Um, the, um, the church planter strategist um, that I most recently worked with, who doesn't talk to me anymore, but he used to tell his wife that I walked on water. And it was just because I was really good uh, at fitting in. You know, <laughs> that's my whole story. Um, and um, the trouble was, you know, as I said in the book that I just kept saying, maybe I'm wrong about some things. And maybe some of these beliefs that I believe in, and you now I hit 50 and, and begin to think about my life, the second half of my life, and thinking about being authentic instead of just fitting in. But, but I got to, so I started to say, maybe I'm wrong. And even in the pulpit, I would say, um, you know, we should at least have a suspicion that we're wrong if we're going to believe anything. And so I started to talk like that, even in the pulpit. But then I remember two years ago, just getting to the point where Laura and I were about about 100 yards from where I'm sitting right now walking. And I remember just saying, I can't do it anymore. Um, I can't dance around um, issues that I, I don't know how I feel about anymore. You know, I don't know yeah. exactly what I believe. And, I'm, uh, and I'm, I've been taught <clears throat> to proclaim those on the authority of the Bible, to proclaim those things that I signed on to with authority. And, and I just looked over and I said, I can't do it anymore, you know. And that was the big, I think that was the biggest turning point, even though for, probably for five years, those things have been shifting in me. Does it make a lot, any sense? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. So here's what I'm wondering. Um, so is that, I mean, it sounds like you're, uh, kind of, you know, like your story is pretty much a, a normal evangelical story. If I can say that, if that's right, uh, like just growing up in the church and then Mm -hmm. having probably some enthusiasm and some knowledge and, and, a little bit of ability. And so then, you know, you get drawn into ministry cause that's what you should do. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and, and then she kind of learned like all the, all the regular stuff. And then at some point you kind of hit, started to hit a wall. Mm-hmm. W- was there something that precipitated that, that made you go, Oh, or that kind of started it like looking back, maybe you didn't even know it at the time. I know you were asking questions, but like so, you said five years before. Was there was there some an event or anything that happened that that led you there? Yeah, I don't I don't know about 
<clears throat> an event five years before, but I know that, um, oh man, it's probably about three years ago, I mentioned it in the book that my adult children and I, we finally got all five of us together, my wife and I and the three, three kids, and we sit down at an IHOP restaurant and they were, I think they were talking politics. They're, they're really more political than I am. <laughs> but they, uh, I think they were talking politics or what was in the news or something. And I, I realized that they were, they were teaching me um, that I was learning from them. And they weren't lecturing me or anything. They were just talking about stuff. And, and I realized all of a sudden that I was learning from them, that I, I'd always wanted to teach them and have them say that I was wise and things like that, but they were teaching me. And, and it really just, just, you know, reinforced that idea of maybe I'm wrong about some things and maybe I need to reevaluate those things in my life. And that's really, you know, what prompted the book along with um, uh, that I also around that same time saw the movie the shack and was introduced to paul young's writing um the lies we believe about god and um so on and and all of that stuff i guess just kind of worked together yeah and kept hearing that question are, are you sure <laughs> you know maybe you're wrong and 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 then what i did with the book was just kind of overlay raising my children with um, my beliefs and and just so many lessons came out of that when i when i look back through uh, the years of raising them the, the good and the bad times and then when our premature grandchild was born um it just you know brought up some new stuff you know yeah, yeah. I think all that stuff together. Gotcha. So when did you first start to have these thoughts, like have this kind of maybe, maybe this isn't right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, this last church that we, we replanted a, what they call a legacy church. Okay. Um, it means it's real old and it, <laughs> it's about to die. And so they, they just restart it. Um, <clears throat> and so when we, we did that, there was a, there's a time before that when we were um, at a big church, just kind of hiding out. And this church planner strategist that I talked about came and kind of talked us into replanting that church. And we replanted it pretty well. Um, but it was just, you know, all during that, that about three, three and a half years with that church, up until we resigned two years ago, that it was just just a growing um, concern that that things you know I, you know there's questions now. I, I don't totally buy this thing anymore. I'm, yeah, I have more compassion well, for this group of people and so on. Well, what was it like? Where did that start? That's what I'm curious about because that doesn't come from nowhere. Hmm. So, like, where did that, where did it start for you? Or when's the first time you remember going, I don't, I might be preaching this, but I don't know if that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, 
there's there seemed to be um, in that church probably um, yeah we we had started doing yoga and meditating a little bit and I always say we it's I really can't claim stuff for Laura <laughs> but uh, I had and there's a guy in the church kind of that was my co-leader there that someone they had kind of sent to help me that really started questioning me and and uh, I remember I remember one sermon where I kind of openly wrestled with the the cake thing you know the with making a cake for the gay couple oh yeah that, that that guy who was the subject of the, of the that bakery is like uh, let's say maybe it's 10 miles from where I am right now Oh really? Yeah, okay. right. It's right nearby. So, I've, and I've been there. I went. I went in there after that happened. So yeah, yeah. That's, I remember, you know, uh, kind of wrestling with that up up front during the sermon, and and then at the end, kind of saying, you know, I think I'd bake the cake, and I remember this guy's head just about exploding <laughs> off of his shoulders, and it turned <laughs> red, and had to have a discussion with me, and then. Um, you know, several of those those folks there had had interesting views of of homosexuality and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think it was it was necessarily just one event, um, but a series of events just kind of leading up to that. Yeah, well, that's what I was kind of wondering. So was it like was it politics? Was it kind of? You know, there there obviously became some questions that you started to have. And I was reading your the introduction here. You were talking about how you um, started to um, notice that as you got healthier, for instance, right, that mm-hmm. people kind of started to go, hey, that's not, you know, we don't want to hear about that. Right. Right, right. Or um, and as you as you did yoga, um, and and that can be kind of controversial, but I get that you're doing. You know, if you're feeling like it's a, it's okay, you're doing it in faith, then you know, go for it. Right. I think those kind of things sometimes scare people, and um, it's something they don't know for sure know about. And our our health practices were that we we're whole food, plant based. You know, which is not exactly the same as being a vegan. You know, but um, it even the denominational leaders and so on would would poke fun at us, and you know it just makes people a little uneasy because uh, if you think that's right, it must mean what I'm doing is wrong. And right. being in that, that fundamentalist evangelical circle, we want everything to be certain, right? Yeah. And and certain things are wrong and certain things are right. And if we don't know about it, it's probably wrong, you know, and it, and it makes people uneasy when you start to grow. Right. I think, you know, the whole thing with spiral dynamics and so on that um, once you begin to grow, then that, that person you're, you're outgrowing uh, gets uneasy and, and sometimes they cause problems. Right. And that can be a real issue. Um, Definitely. I I see that all the time in the spiritual journey uh, where people, you know, one of my friends said to me the other day, um, he goes, yeah, sometimes when you grow, you're a couple steps ahead uh, of somebody, they think you're a heretic, right? Right. Right. (laughs) Because you've, you've let go of some things that they, 
think are vital and you've already figured out, oh, that's not actually vital. That's why I love a little bit what's going on in politics for evangelicals right now, because I think Donald Trump has caused a lot of evangelicals to have to go, is the way we've been voting for 40 years definitely vital to my faith? I don't, maybe not. And so that's kind of interesting. Um, My friend talks about that, Dr. Paul, the one that did the forward to the book. He, he says, if, if I'm an A and you're a B, I can handle you being a B, but I can't handle it if you move on up to C. Right. No, that's too uncomfortable for me. And it's, you know, it's all, it's all about fear and control of our lives and things like that. Right. And I don't understand why, uh, particularly in the fundamentalist world, uh, they think that they need to control my life. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. So, so you basically were, were in this fundamentalist universe for a basically a good chunk of your life. That's correct. Yeah. And then you started to ask some questions and maybe hitting the spiritual desert. So like, what was your relationship with God throughout that time? Cause I'm, I'm really curious if that changed at all. Yeah. I think it'd be very different for me and my wife, but, um, I think I, I process things quietly for the most part. Um, I'm an inward person. I'm an introvert. Um, so I've been processing things quietly for a, a long time, you know, for at least that, those five years. And um, I was able to step down um, gradually. I think, I think luckily I found some contemplative practices that I could do that um, maintained me, uh, sustained me, maybe is the right word. Yeah. Um, through those times, my wife's experience would be, Laura's experience would be totally different than that. Um, but I, I, I kind of was able, I, I don't know, maybe I was, at, and, and the other thing I had was, um, like I mentioned, the person that did the forward was a guy that kind of came back into my life um, uh, two and a half years ago, just about right at the right time. Um, and a guy, he's a guy that would answer my text and um, always had, had the right advice, or the right question for me. So that, that helped tremendously. But, but you, you know, yeah, it's different, you know. Um, it, there's more paradox, more mystery, more. Um, it, it's way different, but I have a lot more peace, uh, less certainty, and more peace. <laughs> That's still, interesting, isn't it? Trying to figure that out. Yeah, the last chapter in the book is a poem about peace, and my and Brian Zahn gives me very little advice. He just says, "Stay on the journey and be at peace." And so I get mad, I used to get mad when he said that. <laughs> I don't know what you, what, I, what do I do, but so I, I think I've been really lucky. Now we had a, our grandchild was born eight weeks early, and we really faced some challenges with. Um, I called it in the book prayer and challenges. You know, that we just wrestle around with. Uh, what do we pray, and you know. What's what's God like in our challenges? Where's where's He at, and all those kind of things. So yeah, not that it was easy, 
Um, but for me, it was kind of a gradual step down and it seemed like things happened at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So take us into that prayer kind of practices. So you said you found some contemplative practices. What did you find helped you most? Um, I, I think what helped me most was just I had for 20 years prayed in public and prayed for people and prayed with people. And what helped me most probably was to learn centering prayer. Mm, yeah. Um, Brian Zahn calls it setting with Jesus. Um, and just to be quiet, especially the two months I was unemployed recently and finished writing the book and so on. Um, I would do that every morning and it was, um, I can't say that I got any huge revelations from God. Um, but I would, I would uh, just sit, uh, and be quiet and not do anything. And then I'd read and then I'd write and then I'd, um, build a deck on the back of my house. (laughs) Yeah. You know? So, and, Wh- and which there's another another experience I had, and um, I also went through spiritual direction training over the past year, and I had to quit recently because I've got a new different kind of job. But um, one of the sisters, the sisters, the Benedictine sisters, lead that, and they one of them told me to go out to this this park, this forest, and I. Um, set out there and I, I have some Native American heritage to me. So I'd recently kind of used this Cherokee morning song as a, um, you know, a help to me in time in prayer time and so on. And I, I turned that on on my phone and just sat with nature. And I've learned something about Celtic spirituality and the, the, the thought that everything's sacred and um, this have had moving experiences like that. The thought that came out of that was this, I'm a part of this and this is a part of me. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, that those types of experiences are, are very powerful, very hard to explain, you know, very hard to articulate, especially in a book that someone's going to edit. And, right. You know, but I tried to, as best I could, talk about some of those those experiences. But. What's interesting is a lot of us evangelicals and, and particularly fundamentalists, they only have two spiritual disciplines, right? Read your Bible and pray. Right. And prayer is basically limited to intercession. That's right. it. There, There is nothing else. Right. So I, I had the same kind of thing where um, when I discovered um, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster— I was like, wow. And then his book on prayer and he talks about all these different, um, different prayers or ways to pray blew my mind. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, Oh, there's yeah. more than one way to do this. That's interesting. Didn't, didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense to me that discovering some of those practices in the middle of what really for you is is clearly a, a spiritual desert or some sort of like it's, it's the reformation, right? This deconstruction, like right. you said, right. It is that, um, that totally makes sense. That's, that's what happens in those periods. And these are the kinds of practices that help. Yeah. 
So I appreciate you sharing that because the reality is most of us are going to go through something like that. It may not be as uh, a big a swing as you've gone through, um, but we're all going to have a spiritual desert. We're all going to have a dark night of the soul at some point. The question is, do we know what to do? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the key things for me was um, learning about shadow. Mm. Um, I talked about um, Dr. Paul and his, his organization is called Bra- um, Heart Connection with an X instead of a whatever, C-T-I-O-N or whatever. Um, the, they had taken us through an immersive kind of seminar thing where um, Laura and I a couple of times in our life had worked through some of that stuff. But when I read Robert Augustus' master book, um, Bringing Your Shadow Out of the Dark, um, really got a chance to um, encounter my shadow and do that shadow work. And I hope that doesn't sound too too weird. But well, no, tell us about that. So when you say shadow, what does that mean? Well, shadow, the way I understand it, and I tried to explain that in the book, um, but it's it's those things, it's that part of you where you stuff things down. Mm-hmm. And um, as you go through childhood and different parts of your life, there's that part of you that has to survive. And so in trauma situations, in that rejection that I faced and, and all those things, um, those things get stuffed down. And then you find yourself, like I did about a year ago, um, being very reactive um, very hard to live with, um, and I can't explain it, and I don't know why. And until um, I was taught to to engage that shadow, and, and, and use the shadow is dealing with your inner child and your inner critic. And the simplest way to explain that is to get in between that inner child and the inner critic, and tell that that inner child, I've got your back. Um, and for me, that was, that was very healing um, to talk, to, to encounter that part of myself and not, um, when you encounter a shadow, it's not to, to eradicate it. It's just to understand what's going on inside you. And I think that's, it's a, it comes from um, Carl Jung, who's, um, you know, just a hundred years ago, started talking about shadow. Yeah. Well, the spiritual masters have been talking about the false self for a long time. Yeah, sure. Right. So yeah. it's, just, it, it's the same thing, I think. Yeah. I think it's, it's related at least and, and probably connected. Yeah. 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 So that, that whole thing with, with the false self. So I'm curious about this for you. And you said it wasn't really to, to get rid of it. I get that. But for you, like, are there things you can see in your, in your life, in your heart that going through this uh, season has taken out of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's the thing I just I mentioned that it's that reactivity. Yeah. It's not, you know, when you go to work and things get stressful then the little red faced child doesn't come out and you, uh, near as much, right? Uh, you're still going to have days, but I'm, I'm not near as reactive. Um, 
your temper and things like that is just it's not anything like it used to be um and it's i wouldn't say that you made peace with it just that you you kind of understand a little bit more you know yeah definitely more peace in in all those things yeah and as you understand you can put a little distance between you and a situation and you can move into it better right absolutely yes yeah, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, why'd you write a book? Like, how'd that... So you <laughs> you kind of explained that, but like, a little bit. Like, what made you go, I have to write this? Because that's a big undertaking. Yeah, I think it probably comes from my Enneagram type a little bit. But, um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that, that are writing books. Brad Jerzak... Um, you know, you, there's a list a mile long of guys that can write books. And like when Brian Zahn writes a book, he writes about nationalism and he writes a whole book about nationalism. Um, there were, it seemed like about 20 or 30 things that I was dealing with, um, readjusting my beliefs and so on. And I, I kind of wanted to write, I want to write a book where people felt, well, I wanted to be very vulnerable and very, um, open about what I was going through. And so it's almost just like I kind of struggle with each of those individual issues out in the open. And this is more like a journal Mm. of what it's like to go through deconstruction, really. Um, But at the same time, like I talked about, I was looking back at raising my children, how I felt about them, and maybe that's kind of how God feels about me. Um, and so, so I was trying to put all those things together and it just helped, you know, during those, especially during those two months that I was off work and I, it just helped me. I was writing a blog a day pretty much yeah. during those times and it just all flowed out of me. And I've always, um, just naturally wanted to share what's going on with me, um, that might possibly help somebody else. That, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Totally. That makes sense. So, yeah, you said it's kind of more like a journal than a than a book, right? So, yeah, in, intentionally I stayed away from quoting scriptures. Mm. Um, even though uh, scripture is an important part of my life, I'm, um, I didn't want to get into scripture battles. I didn't, it's not an academic book. It's not a, um, you know, to prove, it's really not to prove anything doctrinally. Um, it's just to say, this is the journey I went on. I'd like, you know, I hope you come along with me. Yeah. I said that in the introduction. What's one thing you wrote in there that surprised you the most? I, I think it, you know, maybe that's it is, is several times at the end of, of a topic. I used to listen to my, my youngest daughter would listen to two hour podcasts. And then at the end, she'd say they didn't really dis, um, agree on it. <laughs> they didn't uh, discover anything. They just ended the podcast. And then I would have discussions with her, and she would say, well, I don't know, you know, at the end. And I found myself at the end of a few of these chapters going, this is the journey I went on. These are the things I wrestled with. And at the end, I'd say, I, I'd kind of say, you know, I don't, this is where I'm at right now, but I don't know where I'm going to end up. 
And that surprised me, you know, from my history that, you know, it seemed like before I had to come to a conclusion, I had to convince you of my conclusion. And, and a lot of that is the tea shop, the, the story that's right in the middle of the book. I visited my son in Taiwan. And when we did, we visited a tea shop and had an encounter with a Buddhist man. And I was surprised at the end of that hour and a half that I didn't have to convince him of anything or try to uh, evangelize him, so to speak. Um, and, and I think that was the most surprising part of the journey. And that's part of what's helped me find peace is just that I don't have to change everybody. And I don't have to convince everybody like I was trying to do every Sunday that I can just um, be on a journey, be um, moving, not towards proving the Bible, but moving towards finding Jesus um, and, and finding something real uh, and genuine and authentic, but not necessarily uh, that certainty that I always had to have before. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It It's a huge difference, right? If you yeah. have to prove the Bible is right, right, then if you just have to have an encounter with Jesus, right. like, I, I just want to know him. And that is, him. yeah, yeah that, it's a very different proposition. And then there's there's other people who are also on the journey and they may... Well, we're all on a journey, right? But they they may want to encounter Jesus or they may encounter him in the same way, and that's okay. Or they may encounter him in different ways, right? Yeah. Also okay. Yep, and that's okay. And that, um, I think, is, is good. Now, I would never say, so I'm still kind of, you know, exclusive as far as Jesus goes, as far as the, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. right? It's, but... Uh, we can still trust. We can trust people to to the Lord. He's going to, you know, if he wants that Buddhist to be in his tribe, so to speak, he'll do it. Right. He'll do it. And yeah. if he was calling you to do it, he has every ability to uh, convince you of that. Right. Yeah. And when I pull off the veneer and the, um, all the stuff, you know, when I deconstructed as far as I did. Um, Jesus was still compelling to me. The the way of Christ, yeah, I think was compelling to me, and I, that was the part I I couldn't give up. And so that that's kind of the central to frame. Yeah, man i I spent all of last year in the Book of Mark, mm. and just reading Jesus, just reading the reading things over and over again, doing lectio and different passages throughout the year. And uh, I fell in love with Jesus in a brand new way, like in a way like his tone completely changed from being sort of condemning to being very loving as I read, you know? Yeah. And uh, that, that surprised me. That was not something I was looking for necessarily, but it is what happened. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that happens frequently um, if we're looking for it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, Carl, thanks for sharing some of your story with us. Um, I appreciate that. It sounds like you've been on, on quite the journey. And I would say 
you know, finding yourself in Christ in a whole new way that, uh, that you didn't even know was possible before. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Anything you want to leave us with? I think we'd, we'd get a lot farther down the road if we could just accept where we're at. Amen. You know? Yes. And, and just be where we're at. That's, I work at like a Lowe's Home Improvement Center right now. So I do real simple work compared to what I used to do, you know, real manual. And every day when I go to work, I just have to say this, this is where I'm at. Yeah. And spiritually, I think that's important also. It's just to say, um, this is where I'm at now and it's okay. You know, God's not waiting to punish me because I don't understand everything right. And, you know, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah. Yet where I need to go. Just be where you're at. Right. I tell people that all the time. Be where you are. It's okay. Yeah. And be honest about where you are. And uh, you can take that to God. He can handle it. It's all right. Right. That's right. (laughs) Amen. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate you being here. Friends, we have links to... Uh, Carl's book and his website and everything we talked about today um, here at halfwaytherepodcast.com. Just go out there, and uh, if you want to connect with Carl, you can find him. Thanks a lot, Carl. appreciate it. Thanks, man.